Hello, this is Realtors from the Garage. This is Scott Lanahan. And this is Joe Ubel. This'll be the beginning of our buyer series. With the buyer series, we're hoping to hit a whole bunch of different topics, kind of break them into smaller, more manageable pieces, just so that we can get each one of these episodes down into maybe 10, 15 minutes, 20, if we start talking a lot. That's crazy. So some of the topics we'll be talking about are basement, siding, roof, windows, landscaping, mechanicals, electrical, and insulation. Uh, today we're going to focus on basements. And with basements, Joe, we we're going to break that down into different types of foundation. Mm-hmm. Drain tile, kind of mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. A little water. Yeah, and then some of the concerns that we see with uh, basement foundations. Mm-hmm. So to kick this off, you and I have spent probably about 45 minutes going through a little longer than that, trying to break this into a manageable piece. And I think both of us found it was real challenging right. to just get this down to a manageable piece so people got an intro to it. Um, so let's let's start with the types of foundation, Joe. Okay. What are the different types of foundation? Well, what we're seeing in today's world now is about four different types. Um, you're starting to see um, poured foundations, which is about the new construction over the last probably 20-ish years. And then you have block, which is probably, would you probably say, 70% of all houses in, in our so. area? Yeah, the block. Concrete okay. block walls. Okay. Yep. And then you're going to find some limestone in the turn of the century. Yep. Um, middle of the cities type thing where they still first started building some properties. Yep. Um, and the last one is probably going to be an experimental um, done in the 80s. Um, it's wood foundations. Sure. A little bit unique. We won't hit on too much of what, what that was going to mean, but um, we're going to focus mostly on the ones you're going to see. I run into it maybe every other year. Yeah. yeah. I'd say like once a year you yeah. might see it. And, you know, it's hit or miss if the property liked buyers like the property or not if we run into it i usually tell people to do a little more research on it so um so if you were to rank those foundations on good better best how would you put those joe well it would definitely be poured um as best as best yes yes because we've learned over the last 20 years um, the penetration of, of moisture and the stability that uh, the poured foundation gives mm-hmm. is that much better than even the blocked. Because block is what it is, it's block, but it's also hollow in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. And so what makes it porous and it's more accepting of water penetration to help in, ease water into the, the house itself. Yeah. As you talked before, you know, when you build a, build a house, you're digging a hole, right? You're digging this big hole and then you're telling water to stay out. How's water going to stay out if we can't control it or mitigate it in some way, right? Yeah. I, I get, that's like a whole topic you and I went like another 40 minutes in another direction on managing water around that hole that we've punched in the ground called a, a basement. And we'll tackle that in landscaping, I think, at some point here, right? I think absolutely because it's uh, you and I both agreed that from the time you start the home search process to the time you end it, and you get into that inspection period, it's about moisture, 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 mitigating, uh, managing water around a property. And you and I had to constantly fight stepping back to addressing that issue with when we're talking about basements. And I think today, what we're going to do then is move right from those foundation types. Uh, I agree, concrete block is probably the most common that we'll see. I don't think people fully appreciate the additional cost of poured concrete mm-hmm. and what an advantage it is. I know when I go into a basement, it's usually a sign that 
a builder has taken that extra step from a cost standpoint and also from a finish standpoint sometimes that it's it's a sign right it's also easier positive it's also easier for them to finish off the basement you know frame it up and and uh, get it all straight and everything if it's all poured sure and then moisture on top of that is is harder to find its way into the pore foundation because there's only so many seams that can get past. Well, it's not penetrating a one-inch exterior concrete block and then a one-inch interior concrete surface. It's got to penetrate that entire wall. Right. uh, Which we both agreed, uh, they tend to be drier. Right. Yeah. Uh, So let's go into a topic that you and I spent a lot of time on and tried to dice this down into... A manageable piece and that was uh, drain tile which is one part of managing water around the house I, I've always used the adage it should be your plan B plan one is manage the water around the house but it is good to know on a lot of these properties that they have uh, drain tile and there's different types of drain tile again good better best there's a whole nother topic that we could go into but for today's purposes we just want to talk about what is drain tile? And why don't you elaborate on that, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. So drain tile is, is a pretty simple thing. You know, you can, you can break it down to as simple as, as gutters, right? Um, we know how gutters work. You know, when rain comes off a, off a house, it goes into this funnel, funnels it into the spout, and spouts off, off the roof itself. Well, it's similar to a drain tile. A properly done drain tile system has uh, some kind of rock in there and then some kind of funnel, which was like the, the, the plastic tubing that would get the funnel to the sump basket. So the sump basket is going to be the lowest spot. Lowest spot is going to be about three, four, five feet deep. And it's, at that point, it's going to, if it, water gets up far enough from water coming into the property, it's going to then pump it out through what's called a sump pump, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, you try to figure out how water is getting into your house is the next source of issue. Sure. Right? I think, so it's, it's a way of collecting water generally that is falling next to the house. Generally, following, falling next to the house. Right. Uh, you and I both have a story that we'll share real quick. Um, collecting that water and, the, again, trying to get it away from the hole right. uh, in the ground that is your basement. Right. So... One of the stories I shared with you as we were talking about it was a uh, house uh, that I was showing out in Mendota Heights. Uh, buyers interested in the home. Uh, we had uh, walked around the first floor, probably spent about 10, 15 minutes in there. And I had noticed that the sump pump had turned on. I could hear it from the first floor. And uh, it seemed odd. You know, at that point, I start going over the weather report over the last couple of days. And I'm like, boy, I, I don't think it's rained right. in a while. Uh, which then, of course, the red flag goes off, right? Mm-hmm. So we go downstairs, we take a look, and clearly the basement's unfinished. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, had been finished, but is in the process, a stage of unfinished at this point, right. which, again, another flag goes off. But I start noticing that about every five minutes, this drain tile's turning on. Now, uh, typically, in a normal situation, water dumping next to the house would be a clear indicator. Oh, yeah, the sump pump should be turning on. The water's kind of filling up uh, next to the foundation, kind of filling up the bottom course of that block, ending up in the gutter or the drain tile, and then getting pumped away. In this particular case, there was no water that was uh, present around the house anytime recently. So 
it, it became an indication that we were dealing with a bigger issue, mm-hmm. uh, that there was water potentially pushing up, right. uh, not sideways trying to penetrate through the walls, but pushing up. And uh, that was a situation where I think my buyer and I agreed that this might be a problem that someone else wants to inherit and not us. But you had a similar discussion about a sump basket. Now, before you explain that one, uh, reiterate it a little bit because there's some houses that don't have drain tile but have a sump basket. That's, that's, a, that's a great point. So it's not always about um, water in the basement for every house. Um, sometimes it's all about soil. The soil, and we can get into this on a landscaping situation mm-hmm. more, but really it comes down to the soil that your, your house is built, built on. Is it sandy? Is it clay? You know, is it something that's going to drain water well, or is it something that's not? And so if it does drain water well, you may never have issues with, with moisture. So you may stop down, look into the sump pump basket, and see there's no sump pump in there, and there's no water. There's, there's nothing in there but cobwebs, as to your point before. Sure. And and think you can agree that's probably the best scenario for anyone. Yeah. Um, but my well, you, you might start to wonder, is it working? Yeah. Right? Right. right. Or uh, you and I talked about you run into a sump basket uh, that has nothing in it. Right. But it's dry. Dry. Which means uh, I likened it to having a car with no motor. Someone never felt a need right. to throw a motor in that car that it, uh, it was maybe... By code, the sump basket and the drain tile was put in, but it was never it was never needed as the plan B. Mm-hmm. Now you brought in a, up an example of uh, hydrostatic pressure yeah. out in Apple Valley. Yeah, that, that was, was pretty unique. That was a very unique situation. So I pulled up to the house and we noticed in the backyard this pond. Great, you know people love having ponds and the nature views, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, as an agent, you know, first thing we do is you know, a tenant goes up. Okay, all right how much moisture is potentially, you know, uh, coming to the house because of that pond well, is the is water table up further than it should be. Yeah. Where's the water table? Where's the slab for the house? Are we looking at a five foot difference or a 10 foot difference? Right. 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 Yeah. Right. So I got into the basement, you know, as we're, we're cruising through the house, they really, really enjoyed the house, but we get to the, to the sump basket and I'm like, Hey, Hey guys, come take a look at this. And the sump basket is we've, we've established is about three feet deep. Right. Yeah. Um, that basket itself was about, I would say, eight feet deep. Really? They, they clearly uh, um, dug it three feet deep, and they go, wait, wait, we still have water going on in here. We need to put it down deeper to make See, sure. See, those are one of those things, Joe, that you and I look at and go, oh, why'd we do that? Right. You know, what's, what's going on there? Yeah. Like, I more or less want to, I want to know the story. Right. Like, there, this is atypical. Yep. And if you're seeing something atypical, there's usually an atypical story attached to it. Mm-hmm. And as you're explaining it to me, I'm thinking, oh, well, they wanted a longer runway. So as water starts to, the water table starts to rise, maybe there's not a, a storm overflow for the pond. Right. Something where as that water starts to rise, it was a longer runway for that water starts to come up and it starts pumping the water away when it hits the eight foot mark, the seven foot mark. And, and let's explain, explain what that might mean, okay. you know, in terms of, of the pressure. So, you know, as you have, we talked about the hole in a, in, for a foundation to put it in, you know, water is going to find the lowest point possible and it will try to filter its way into that somehow. Right. So if this, in this case, it's not the outside um, going in from like a rainwater or something like that. It is literally the, the water underneath the ground that's pushing its way up to find daylight essentially. And the lowest spot is that drain tile pump 
yeah. um, some area. So if it's nine feet in the ground, they're going to be going, oh, that's the lowest spot. I'm going to uh, um, hit that, and then we're going to, and then it raises water in that up area. And it's best since kind of the most common type of foundation wall that we're going to see is block foundation. Mm-hmm that uh, you and I talked about breaking some of the concerns that we see down there into four categories. And that would be stepping cracks and horizontal cracks. And along that, breaking that into two other categories, those with no movement, meaning if we ran our hand over the wall, it would be flush from one block to the next versus a moving crack where uh, a stepping crack that's moving, which which, um, I'll cover the stepping crack part. So if we take a look at a stepping crack, it generally tends to be closer to a corner. Uh, It's a broken foundation at that point. So something is either pushed on that corner or that corner of the house is settled at a... But you're talking about, about, again, stepping cracks with movement. Yes. That's that's a good point. So if we go down and there's a stepping crack and there's no movement, it's flush, where the crack is simply running through a mortar joint and it looks like steps. It's Mm -hmm. following a course of block from one side to the other, just following that mortar joint. Very common, I see it a lot. And a lot of times when buyers see it, it's very concerning. Mm-hmm. But as long as there's not any movement on there, uh, it, it doesn't bother me as much. And in a lot of the inspections I've been in, it just kind of gets brushed over. Like, you know, let's, one thing we could do is fill that mortar joint, make sure if we're repainting that we repaint and just watch it, see if there's any additional movement on it. The uh, stepping crack with movement, that's more of an indication of potentially a settling issue or uh, something has caused that corner to move at a different rate than the rest of the foundation. That's where we start running into a concern from an inspection standpoint. And those are are types of issues we tend to notice upstairs, right? um, Where things start to go out of level and we start noticing that uh, the door jams, things like that, are sloping towards an outside wall versus an inside wall. Right. So anything past, I'd even say 1920s, right. I start seeing settling towards an outside wall. There's usually an then, indication we're going to see something downstairs. And then we should back up and explain, you know, why you would see uh, settling towards the middle of a house. You know, and the house is built pre 1920s, maybe even in the 20s. They would houses would be built around the foundation of the. I can see why you'd chimney. want to talk about that because uh, it's very common in turn of the century homes to see settling towards the inside portion of the house. Right. You and I look at it and it's very normal. Right. Whereas it might be unsettling to a buyer to right. see it that way. But one of the things with those turn of the century homes is that there's a main structural component that runs through the center of that house, and it's a chimney stack where they've stacked up. A ton of brick that's at a completely different weight than the rest of the house that's focused on one point and a lot of those floor joists are attached to around the chimney chimney stack so a lot of times we'll see some sagging towards the center of the house which is very common as we get up from one level to the other it tends to be a little more exaggerated but that's a whole nother conversation correct correct so So let's go back to you wanted to talk uh you're covering the horizontal crack portion so that's that's the next point so the horizontals are you know again horizontal line um through to the blocks Mm -hmm. it it doesn't crack in the blocks but again it's it's attaching to that joint so it's running one mortar joint from left to right or right right right, it's just running one seam 
Right, right. Yep. And so if you just see a, a normal horizontal crack, and again, you're not seeing any movement, you're not seeing you running your hand across it, and there's nothing that's there, but you know just a crack, then mm -hmm. it really shouldn't be affecting the foundation itself. It isn't affecting you know the movement of, of what's going on. But if you um, are seeing that you're getting an inch or two or more of the block is just offsetting the other block, then you're having something that's push, pushing against that block. I well, think it's, it's fair. The, the stepping cracks a little, as we're kind of talking about this, a, a little bit different right. is the horizontal crack. When you start to see that separation of that crack and right. it's a quarter inch, yep. right, or a half inch, yep. um, where you can look down the wall and start to see once it kind of gets past that quarter inch, you'll start to see a bowing in the wall towards yep. the center of the house. Yep. Uh, just go ahead. Oh, and to your point, we talked earlier, is once you start seeing that, it starts going further, and then not only that comes out of line, is the windows that's looking at at the foundation is also going out of line. You know, from it's no longer completely 90 degrees straight up. It starts to pitch. Yeah. In a, when a wall's finished, that's one of the indicators you and I look at to right. get an indication that there may be some bowing on that wall that would facilitate us going a step further at taking a look at a potential issue correct so uh you and i talking about that basement wall that pushing on the wall is an indication that there's a load or a pressure pushing towards it would make sense the middle of that wall so around the the frost line so about three four feet up three four feet down from the ceiling that's the weakest point of that wall and we've got something that's pushing on the back portion of that wall. Generally, it's it's water, mm -hmm. a heavy load of water. Yep. It could be a tree, tree you and I talked about. Yep. Um, but, but when we start getting into foundation issues, you know, that's a whole nother can of worms. Clearly, we want to identify it. Yep. Um, but a lot of times, uh, just from a buyer standpoint, unless it really fits, checks a ton of boxes, right. um, we start getting into a foundation issue and what's causing that it might be better served that uh, someone else address it preferably the seller seller uh, or, and then or, they sell their house correct that's yeah. not, that's very correct yeah or if if you are you know very interested in this type of situation this is when we we would definitely um, encourage you to bring in a structural engineer in yeah. to make sure that they can you know, see what the issue is someone deeper than the inspection yeah level, yeah the yeah general inspection general inspection level. is going to cover the most basic points and then the structural engineer will be able to dig into okay why and can it be fixable so we tr you and i kind of went back and forth on how do we wrap this up because we don't want each one of these to go 45 minutes which they easily could mm -hmm. as we get mired down in all the little nuances of all these components right so how do we finish how do we finish this episode and you and i kind of came around to my opinion was that you're never really finished right right i mean my my basement uh, current home i've been in three years has been a dry basement right that doesn't mean next week next month next year i might not run into an issue right right that 90 i kind of threw out this non-scientific term but uh, or stat but that most issues 90 percent of issues with water in and around that basement need to be addressed from the outside in Correct. versus the inside out. That's Correct. why we talk about drain tile as being plan B. Right. That's a plan where you're starting from the inside and trying to correct a problem on the outside. You're basically addressing a symptom and not necessarily 
the problem. That's correct. So things like gutters being full, downspouts not being long enough, landscaping around the house creating a moat to catch the water and keep it next to the foundation versus draining it away. I mean, the list is endless. And wait, let's talk, yeah. let's, let's not talk about that too far because okay. that's that's a whole other topic. Exactly. We're, we're talking landscaping there. Yeah. Right? And I think yeah. that's a whole other episode of, of discussion of Clearly. what it means. So how do you finish up this episode, Joe? Well, it's never over, right? Yeah. You know, so your basement, my basement, everyone's basements, at some point, it's going to have some kind of issue they may have to address in some form, whether it's, it's now or 10 years or 20 years from now, because everything's evolving. Settling's evolving. Your erosion of your yard's evolving. So if you're not always watching it, there's probably going to be some evolved over, in the, over 30, 40 years. So I'm biting my tongue because I think you and I had kind of said, <laughs> Uh, so in the, this part of the buyer process, this buyer series, I think what you and I are trying to do is we're in that basement at that moment and we're trying to look into the future, the future mm-hmm. right? We're trying to identify is this an individual problem or is this potentially an ongoing problem? Correct. Right? There's certain things we can fix and certain things we can't fix. Well, in the same, same lines, some older houses especially have settled and they're settled and they're not going anywhere. And they're gonna be in, in that kind of form for the next 50, 60, 70, 100 years. Yeah. But they, it seems awkward when you walk through them, but it hasn't moved since then. Yep, so I think that's a good way to wrap this up. Yeah. I think uh, we'll discuss what the next one is going to be and of course we'll try and keep it down to 20 minutes. I think we ended up at 20 something anyhow. Yeah. So we'll try and shorten it up and keep it more concise, but. In this process, I think it's just, there's so much stuff that you want to kind of get out that maybe we don't have to. Maybe just, you know, we'll get as much as we can. And as you start walking through houses, you're going to see certain things. Yep. And the more you know, the better you're going to feel about walking to every house. And the more confident you're going to feel as a buyer. Yep. Yep. Well, with that, I think we can sign off. I think we recorded this. Stopped.